Race matters. 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 I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded Gadigal land. This land has been in the hands of generations of Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us, and it will continue to be in their hands long after us. It's a meeting place for sharing knowledge, stories and song, and we are privileged to be part of that storytelling today and every day at FBI Radio. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders, past and present. We're broadcasting from Redfern right now, the birthplace of black theatre in this country and a site for resistance and resilience for First Nations peoples. Welcome to Race Matters. This is a show hosted by people of colour, speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. I'm Sada Khan. I'm Daryl Sargas, and uh, Happy New Year. Uh, today is the second day of the lunar calendar. It's the year of the ox, uh, and if you celebrate, we want to hear from you. What's your favourite part about Lunar New Year? Text us on 0409-945-945. And today you're also going to hear from two friends of the show about how they celebrate and what the holiday means to them. Later on, we'll be joined in the studio by audio maker, musical theatre nerd, and former executive producer of All the Best here on FBI Radio, Alison Chan. But before that, Darren, you caught up with a previous guest of Race Matters, Justin Tam, who's currently in lockdown right now in London. Yeah, Lunar New Year means something really different uh, for Justin now that he's in London. Uh, it means being apart from his family, uh, the community he grew up in, uh, but it also means he's finding connection elsewhere. So, um, yeah, that's coming up real soon. He also mentioned, like, how he's not eating the same food that he would eat when he was um, he would celebrate um, Lunar New Year with his family and he's been trying to track down the best Chinese food in London and he can't find it. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> Different produce there, you know. Yeah, well, it's the same with, like, um, Pakistani foods as well. Like, I remember my dad just, like, refusing to go to, like, any restaurant that served curry. Whoa. He he had such a staunch, like, opposition to it. And it's only been recently he's found a restaurant. And it's only because the cook is from Gujanawala, which is the town next door to his. So it's, like, the only place that he'll go to where he will knows that he's going to get the feed that he'll make at home. Otherwise, he refuses to put money into it. (laughs) Yeah, that's just... I feel like he's doing trial and error. He's just ordering everywhere that he can getting it delivered and being like, no, next, next, (laughs) next. Um, Yeah, you are listening to Race Matters. Up next, you'll be hearing about that chat uh, with musician, writer, co-founder of Pan-Asian Artist Collective Eternal Dragons, Justin Tam. But let's take a track first. Um, Last night, Rainbow Chan uh, put on a Lunar New Year celebration at Mary's Underground. Um, I went to the early show. It was a beautiful show. She had a harpist, um, Ida Warhol, uh, Marcus Whale, accompanied on saxophone, and she sung mostly new songs. A lot of it sung in Waito, which is um, a dialect of UA Chinese that she's been trying to do develop an understanding and a knowledge of her for for years now. Um, So yeah, this new material will be a summation of um, her learnings in that. But she sang in English too. She had this gorgeous like red dress on. Yes, I was uh, watching your Instagram stories. (laughs) It was full like lounge singer fantasy. Um, And yeah, I loved it a lot. Yeah, definitely. Here she is now, Rainbow Chan with Tryon.
Race Matters. I'm Sada Khan. I'm Darren Lasagas. And yeah, as we mentioned, it was uh, Lunar New Year yesterday. It's a time of celebration for many uh, the world over. But imagine being halfway across the world from your family and in lockdown uh, amidst it. That's the case for longtime friend of the show, Justin Tam. He makes music as Seekin. Uh, he's the co-founder of Eternal Dragons, which is a pan-Asian artist collective. And yeah, I caught up with him just yesterday uh, to see how he's doing over in the UK. I mean, I've been in total, we've been in total lockdown and I think we are till the mid-March or something, which is kind of weird. It's kind of funny going from Australia, which was easing up to kind of slapping back into lockdown. It's like, it's like traveling back in time or into a different yeah. timeline, you know? Um, but it's been really nice to um, connect with uh, like a lot of other like Asian and South Asian communities here, actually. Um because there's a group here called Eastern Margins that I've been kind of talking to and working with for a while. And, um, and we've been playing Starcraft together and, um, and just hanging out. Uh, so actually Chinese New Year is a great time for like other Asians to just look at one another and be like, Hey, what's up? Mm. Um, and, and, and support each other and, and chat and, uh, and kind of give each other the family that maybe a lot of Asian families don't have as well. Asian families have a, 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 a can have a tense relationship with their parents and with their families, um, and 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 having those different Asian communities helps. And Chinese New Year or Lunar New Year brings that together. You mentioned Eastern Margins, this group in London. What 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 is Eastern Margins? Yeah, basically, it's a group of kind of uh, East Southeast South Asians. Um, who, who actually uh, kind of formed around doing live events um, for Asian artists working in London. Um, and um, uh, they recently, uh, and, and we kind of, we're kind of like sibling groups in a way, Eternal Dragons and Eastern Margins. Um, and they, they recently did a live stream with Shanghai Community Radio and, and it had like 5,000 people at one time on Bilibili, which is like Twitch for, for China. Um, uh, and that was that was and that was like a live production session where everyone was just kind of producing a minute at a time. Uh, it was cool to see another community doing what they do in their in their city, um, and also understanding how we can do similar things in Sydney and and bring similar communities together in Sydney. Um, yeah, it's 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 been good to see that happen in parallel. So what will um, Lunar New Year celebrations look, look like for you this weekend then? Yeah. Um, I just made rice cake and then ordered in. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been trying to, I've been trying to find like the, I've been, I cook enough Chinese food, you know, it's like, it's time to, time to just order it in. But it's been, it's, I've been looking for the right, I've been looking for the food. I've been looking for the right restaurant in London there's it's it's hard to it's hard to find the one that that really delivers i don't know whether they're like it's hard to find whether they're cantonese or mandarin or, or what kind of specialty they are so i'll keep i'll keep eating throughout the week uh i think um uh, i want to keep kind of um i don't know there's 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 not much more than that i think without without family there's 
like Lunar New Year kind of loses a little bit of its push um, because this, it is like the, the, the most important time you get to connect. And it's nice just operating by a calendar that's a different calendar, you know, like not the Western calendar, you know. Um, it's nice to shift to a different, it's nice to operate by the moon. It's mm. nice to follow the moon instead of like some Roman god. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it's just a time for, for kind of all, for Asians to, to, to say, hey, what's up and, and, and check in and talk to one another and, and, and share yeah, I I treat I, you know it's 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 a moment to treat your community as your family. That's Justin Tam talking about what Lunar New Year looks like in London for him right now. I mean, like to be what he discussed right there about having to go back into lockdown and like going back in time. The kind of impacts that that would that would definitely as you as yourself as a cultural person and how you're connecting with food and like that whole like you know yearning for like your community in a different way and how you kind of get a sense of that connection as well in a space that's just like so restrictive Mm. and like the power of food you know like that is physical like that can't be denied really like you either have it or you don't and like um you know i was saying before kind of flippantly but it's so true like you know the the soil is different the earth is different the produce is going to be different Mm -hmm. and your your body is going to respond to it differently things are going to taste different and um yeah for like a holiday that is so driven by like the community and the relationships surrounding food it must be just like so jarring to 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 be yeah cut off isolated essentially yeah well like i remember when i um spent my first ramadan in pakistan Mm. I don't think I'd been in Pakistan for Ramadan since I was like a child. And then I did my first stint um, in the country where it's like rooted in properly. Like I'd only ever done it at like other family homes here in Australia. It's, it's totally different when you're in the space that it actually functions from, you know, you're in the roots of it all and it's so empowering and you can't really regain that anyway. So for him to experience this right now, in lockdown, yeah. in a place that's so far removed from his roots as well. I yeah. mean, like, yeah, he's definitely he's definitely in our thoughts right now, brother. <laughs> I mean, he seems to be doing fine. Yeah. You know, he's quite a, he's quite a solitary dude, so he's yeah. he's, he's cheering. Kind of. Yeah, I've yeah. Look, I don't even understand what it would be like. It's so like totally. wild to me right now that the rest of the world, there's so many parts of the world that's oh. just in the restrictive. Not not even like our lockdown here wasn't even that bad in New South Wales at the start of the year. Like it was. Lockdown was stage three, but it wasn't mm. even like stage four, like mm. Victoria went through. So we've still, even throughout the whole pandemic, had it pretty easy. Yeah, we've lucked out. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll hear more from Justin about the Chinese diaspora in London as compared to Sydney and uh, a bit about how the creative industries function under a lockdown. Uh, but first, here's a track from Justin himself. As I said before, he produces as Seekin. And this one's off the remix album of Skyline Death, uh, his 2018 LP. This is Sunset Spot, the Strict Face Restrict featuring Slowdown. I'm not a 
This is Seekin, Sunset Spot. Uh, Seekin is the artist moniker of producer Justin Tam, longtime friend of the show, formerly from Sydney, now based in uh, London. We've been hearing about what Lunar New Year looks like uh, away from your family in a lockdown. Uh, I also caught, caught up with him about the creative work he gets up to and uh, the Year of the Ox. Um, you mentioned the, the, um, the appeal of following, following the moon, following a non-Western... Oh yeah. Sense of time. Um, what does Year of the Ox mean for you personally? Oh, Year of the Ox. I don't know, because I'm a ram. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's always it's always funny. It's always funny that um, you know, it's funny that horoscopes got big mm. in the last few years. That like star signs got so big in the last few st- years because. Man, we've been doing it since the dawn of time. <laughs> we've like, like in primary school, we're all like, "No, I'm a monkey. I can't do that. Yeah. Um, I'm an ox. I can't. I, 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 I can't talk to you." But, but now all these people are talking about these other, these other animals. It's like that's so true. Like I never had it. identified <laughs> with my zodiac sign when I was a kid. That happened very recently. Like <laughs> with you now. Uh huh. When you say when you were like when you were a kid and you were like. I'm a monkey. I can't talk to you. What's that? You know, what's that fueled by? I think as a kid, you want any excuse to disobey your parents and being a monkey or a a ram is a good way. And I think I sat somewhere in between a monkey and a ram or a sheep. um, So I was able to jump between those identities whenever I wanted. Cool. (laughs) Monkey being like mischievous. and, And I think the ram is grounded in like, I think it's supposed to be like a Capricorn grounded in like just steadfast and, and, and in one direction. Yeah, so I was able to slip between both. You moved from Sydney to London last year. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to share about the experience of the Chinese diaspora between between the two cities? I think in I'm, I think in London and in any country in in the UK, you've uh, it's funny being in a country where that um, tried to colonize the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it, and makes it, it's really weird coming from Australia because Australia in a way was like a, like a, uh, for, for, for kind of, for the West, maybe like a successful colonization project. Um, and a lot of people in the UK see, see Australia as a, um, I guess as, as the racist country, um, or the racist experiment. Um, but it's weird being here and seeing that, um, uh, you know, the UK is trying really hard to hold together its its kind of empire um, and trying really hard to hold together this idea that it's at the top of the world. Um, but it's such a kind of, uh, it's such a bold kind of, like every every race inside the UK makes it so, so powerful. Uh, you know, and I'm sure not, a lot of people have seen this for themselves, but um, yeah, I... You know, I miss I miss Australia, and I miss and I miss um, I miss the community, and I miss the strength of the community. I, I think people in Australia are really willing to help one another, um, and really willing to kind of build things together. Uh, I guess here there's just so many more people and so many more groups doing their thing, um, and I guess I haven't seen I haven't seen the the I haven't seen the London scene for what it is today yet. I haven't been able to go out. Um, I mean, usually when you go to a country, you just kind of go to the, go to the club first thing, but I haven't seen that yet. 
Um, so it's been really interesting to see the people involved in creative scenes um, without their kind of outside masks on, without their outside faces on and see them kind of personally and more intimately first. Um, yeah, that's been, that's been good because it's nice to be a friend to someone before you, you know, go party with them. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's Justin Tam reflecting on the future of creative Asian communities in London. That's where he's based now after moving there last year. So we're sending good fortune to him as he spends Lunar New Year away from his family, but amongst friends. Yeah. That is what we're talking today, Lunar New Year. And up next, we're going to be chatting with Alison Chen, audio maker and ex-EP of All the Best here at FBI Radio, about her first memories of the Lunar New Year. I'm Sada Khan. I'm Darren Lasagas, and right now we're joined by Alison Chan, uh, audio maker, former executive producer of All the Best here at FBI Radio, and honestly, just a really long time Race Matters uh, mentor and friend of the show. Um, Alison, thank you so much for coming by, and Happy New Year! Happy Lunar New Year, Darren and Sarah, and um, thank you for the invite, and it's a real pleasure to be celebrating Lunar New Yay. Year on air with both of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, take us back to your first memory of Lunar New Year. Um, what springs to mind? Yeah, so for a bit of context, um, I was born here, but most of my extended family is in Hong Kong. Um, and, you know, my Cantonese is sort of, has been of varying levels of quality. Um, and one of the things you need to do um, at Lunar New Year is you need to like wish greetings to like your elders and, and you say certain phrases that are meant to bring them like good fortune and good health. Um, and what I remember um, is we would like have to all gather around to like get ready to call my grandma. And then my brother and I were just like trying to like recite like the right phrases <laughs> and just trying to remember them and trying to remember like how many we can say. And then because when you get on the phone, it's just this saying all the things you know how to say. So I think like, uh, you know, there's a real fondness to that as well. It's where you're like, just like, it was like cram school for Lunar New Year greetings to my grandma. Um, but it's, you know, I think you could be really cynical about that and talk about like the diaspora and sort of like a lack of connection. But I think ultimately it's like people are connecting in their own ways. And, you know, if it was me as a child trying to like memorize, like rote memorize certain things to say at learning a year, like, that is a fond memory for me mm. as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of like, you know, the, the pressure. <laughs> oh my God. The phone anxiety alone of like calling overseas relatives and like, oh, wait, who's this again? Like, <laughs> I know, I know. And like, you really just got to, especially when like, you've got to talk to like multiple people all at once from like, um, across the, you know, across the seas and everything. And they're all getting on the phone and they're just talking to you. And mm. so you've got to like, be like, hey, remember, and remember their names. You can't like not forget like, you, you, they expect you to know them by the voice, even though you haven't seen them in years. <laughs> it's like super offensive if, like, you know, you've had 
four different people come on the phone and it sounds like one person, but you've got to remember every single person. <laughs> I totally remember that. Like, because, yeah, each family member has a specific name depending on whether or not they're, like, biologically related or they're related by marriage. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's complex maths when you're, like, <laughs> five years old and yeah. you try to remember the name of your aunt's husband. Yeah. Um, on your father's side. Um, and yeah, because, you know, we only had like a sort of portfolio of maybe three or four things, like just very hard to make it interesting and bespoke to each individual when you can only say three or four things. I could just picture you like rehearsing it before you get on the phone. Yeah. And so how has the way you celebrated the holiday changed over the years? Yeah, I think like, while there are kind of like core principles or values in terms of family and gathering, um, yeah, it has meant different things to me at different times in my life. Um, and it's kind of random as well, to be honest, like it's never been like one thing. So I remember one day, like I had happened to like arrive in Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam and um, on Lunar New Year Day. And our first reaction was like, why is everything closed? Mm. And um, because it's like the one public holiday that everyone has. And as a tourist, you kind of forget that and you think like everything's just going to be open for you when you arrive. Um, so, yeah, it was like a memory of like Ho Chi Minh City being very quiet and like the big shops being closed. Um, you know, it's also about enjoying the ritual of receiving money. I'm, I'm, I'm not as big on like the ritual of having to give money, but I'm, <laughs> I'm all about the receiving, and that yep. is, that I is a you. tradition that I think is really important to hold on to. Yeah, keep it on daily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at, what, at what age are you supposed to start giving the money? Um. Okay. So. In my family, we say it depends on what part of China you come Whoa, from. okay. But I'm going to say from the part of China where I come from, <laughs> <laughs> which is a very specific part of China um, <laughs> that may have a population of one. Um, it's actually more to do with where you are in terms of age and whether or not you're married. Mm. Right. Um, so if you're not married, you're saving a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, you're like, it's on behalf of the family, the whole yeah. family, the, you know, mum, dad. <laughs> yeah, and uh, as, an, as a not married person, I don't actually have those responsibilities yeah. or, or burdens or cultural kind of uh, norms hoisted on me. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's quite similar for me as well. Like, I'm still, you know, riding the um, wave of just putting my name at the bottom of the card with everyone else's names. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Yeah, um, at Christmas, my parents are like buying the family gifts for the kids. I'm like, oh, can that be for me too? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always, I think in those moments, you're like, yes, I like family. <laughs> like, we really, <laughs> we really value. Yeah. <laughs> she gets married in secret and she's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can you put me on the bottom of your card? <laughs> Uh, I'm giving all my cash to myself. <laughs> and this year is obviously like no other. How did you and your family celebrate this year? Yeah, well, to be honest, we're in Sydney and I think that like, we're actually quite fortunate in the context of everything else that's going on in the world. Um, so, you know, last night we had a family dinner um, and then uh, tomorrow... I've been invited to a Lunar New Year morning tea where 
um, the demographic will be mostly children under the ages of five, but I'm still going to uh, bring my uh, very enthusiastic child to the party, uh, childhood self to the party, I mean. Um, and yeah, I also have family on the other on my other side coming to visit us tomorrow as well. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I, I think it is important to acknowledge that like particularly for people in Melbourne who had um, a hard lockdown and introduced them at mid that came into effect at midnight on Friday. Like I think so many people are not spending Lunar New Year the way that they would have planned and um, you know, for families and restaurants and businesses, like, you know, very suddenly the year of the ox or the start of the year of the ox has actually been um, incredibly difficult. Mm. Um, and so I think, you know, it is meant to be a time of celebration, but I think, you know, particularly in the context of 2020, we've just had to really live through moments that have really challenged each of us uh, individually and as a community. Um, and, you know, unfortunately it does mean that sometimes moments that are about celebration are also quite difficult and challenging um, moments for some people. And, you know, while I am fortunate that I do have family um, in Sydney, I, um, most of my extended family is actually in Hong Kong. And, um, you know, we had plans to see them last year, which obviously didn't happen and we probably won't see them this year. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely, I think it's a good thing and I, I appreciate and really value like the ritual of it. Um, but yeah, fully acknowledging that it's um, it's not festive in the traditional sense, mm. particularly this year. Um, you mentioned the Year of the Ox. For those of us who might not be familiar, could you tell us a bit about how the Chinese Zodiac um, interacts with the lunar calendar? Okay. <laughs> Uh, I may not be giving you an accurate answer. <laughs> just like as, <laughs> um, so it, we're sending this episode to yeah, you yeah. family as well. <laughs> Sorry, like, I hope this uh, no pressure becomes part of like the high, like the primary school curriculum on, <laughs> on uh, special holidays. <laughs> um, so there are twelve animals in the zodiac, and so it it cycles through. Uh, in 12-year cycles, mm -hmm. would you believe, Darren? Whoa, <laughs> um, So this is the year of the ox. Last year was the year of the rat. Um, and I guess traditionally the ox is um, a hardworking and diligent, determined animal. Um, so I guess maybe we can hope that that means we will, like, that scientists will be working furiously and determinedly uh, to get a cure to this mm. coronavirus. Mm. Mm. Um, that's we can all relate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's all be the ox. Yes, yeah. yeah. And so, what does the year of the ox mean to you then? Um, I think it goes to some of the things I was saying earlier, where like a lot of things we've taken for granted are actually like really precious to us. And that's kind of just been brought to light um, over the past year. So for me, you know, it is family. It's, um, you know, I'm so grateful that I get along with my family mm. and that we have a really good relationship. Um, and I think, you know, whilst that is like a daily thing that I'm really grateful for, I think in the moments where you can actually like have a shared um, 
you know, time of like being together with your family is, um, yeah, is really, really nice. And I think, you know, I also think that we're quite fortunate in Sydney that uh, Lunar New Year is also something that's celebrated in public spaces as well. Um, and I like that. I like that it feels festive. Like I was in Bankstown last weekend and it's like, you know, you had all these like yellow chrysanthemums that people had for like Vietnamese uh, Lunar New Year and then like in Burwood yesterday it's like even like the Westville is decorated and I just think like yeah you could be cynical and talk about like consumerism etc but I think let's you know um, I think that there's something really valuable about being able to celebrate different cultures in public spaces and for that to be very public and, and very visible, obvious yeah. yeah yeah and I think you know in so many parts of the world that's actually really hard to come by and yeah um, I find it really fascinating as well how um the Lunar New Year is something that like a lot of the rest of the world it's like another culture that the rest of the world really wants to like they, they find their own connection in but how do you feel about that I I'm totally fine with it. Like, because we, I grew up fully understanding that, like, I was the year of the rat, and mm. like, this is like a, um, <laughs> you know, this is a culture that, like, I'm not from, I'm not born into, but it was like always told to me, and I was like, why do we, like, I, I, I don't know, it's like, you know, it's something of Chinese culture that, like, everyone seems to like really see themselves in. Yeah, and I think that. Uh, when you have, you know, places like Chinatowns in lots of like big cities around the world, like, you know, it is meant to be like for everyone, like it is meant to be participatory. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think it is meant to be uh, welcoming and inclusive. Um, and I think, you know, there are definitely uh, particular traditions or cultural traditions, which I think um, wouldn't sort of where this logic wouldn't apply, but I think that the fact that um, even if you perhaps don't have, um, you know, Asian relatives, that you can still enjoy Lunar New Year and you can still, like, have a good time. Um, and I just think that that is a good thing, um, particularly when, you know, I think so much about race and culture and ethnicity is such like a fraught thing. Like, it's just like nice to have this little reprieve of like, hey, you know, we have this like little moment where we can all like have have like a sense of joy mm. and be excited. Yeah. You are listening to Race Matters with Darren Losagas and Sada Khan. Uh, we're joined by Alison Chan. Alison, we're going to pivot a little. Um, I've known you for a good few years now uh, as a volunteer at FBI here. And to know you is to know that you love musicals your face is showing that, oh my God, that you're like, like seeing this right coming <laughs> yeah. that was like an ear um, like an yeah. like ear to ear grin right then <laughs> um <laughs> and yeah and one musical in particular comes to mind my name is alexander hamilton and there's a million things i haven't done but just you wait just you wait when he was 10 his father split that's hamilton for people who didn't know that. Um, what do you think it is about Hamilton that brings you so much joy? Um, so, yeah, my face did kind of change quite visibly. I guess it's like where my Lunar New Year passion is at a five, my Hamilton passion is at a ten. <laughs> um, which I think is the power of musical theatre. Yeah. Um, and 
What was your question? Sorry, I just got very excited. <laughs> I mean, that was pretty self-explanatory. I was like, "What? what is it about it that brings you joy? Like Hamilton or the genre? The That's genre. Specific. Let's do the genre. Okay. So I think that um, the genre is... Okay. Uh, wait, am I talking to you as someone who's like not convinced? Like, I'm just trying no, to know I'm my fully audience. convinced. Okay. No. <laughs> You're I such a producer. <laughs> Just talk about your passion. I need to know why you lit up so much just then. I think it's important to, like, number one in audio to know your audience. Yeah, uh, we know that. So we just need to, like, understand what's our starting point here. Um, I just think it's, like, fun and, you know, it's dramatic and it's just, like, so clever in the way in which people write and produce music and, like, dance at the same time and okay like it's pretty expensive (laughs) to like go to musical theater but one of the powerful things about Hamilton uh is that the the cast album is the thing that actually launched it like into the ears of like all these people around the world including myself um and and I think with Hamilton in particular what it is doing really well it is uh, telling a story that we would have otherwise not really cared about or known about, which is, um, you know, the guy whose face is on the $10 American bill um, and his journey as uh, a, an orphan immigrant from Puerto Rico um, who tries to, you know, have a part to play in the founding of the United States. Um, and... Uh, actually, like, when it first sort of, like, started becoming popular, I actually, like, didn't really pay that much attention to it, to be honest. But then I had this moment where I was in a job and we had these, like, year nine schoolgirls um, and we, like, took them on a tour of our workplace and then they had lunch with us, but they were just, like, talking amongst themselves. And then these girls just, like, started talking about Hamilton and I was just like, what? Like, um, and they, like, started like telling me about the lyrics and reciting them because I was like, what, 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 why are you into this? And um, they're like, yeah, it's about the writing, you know, like there's a line where it's like, uh, are we a nation of states? What's the state of our nation? And I was like, oh my goodness, like you're like a 14-year-old teenage girl in Sydney quoting this Broadway phenomena and you are never going to, like, we're never going to be in that space in Broadway and yet here you are like sprouting lyrics to me. Yeah. And so I think... It's like just the dramatic age range that I think it appeals to um, goes to show just how powerful and fun. And I think that's also what good entertainment does mm. as well. Well, we're going to yarn up a bit more about that in a minute. But first, let's hear a track that you've requested from the Hamilton mixtape and we can unpack it after. This is Immigrants We Get the Job Done by Kanan, Snow the Product, Riz Ahmed and Residente. Language warning. America's ghostwriters, the credit's only borrowed. It's a matter of time before the checks all come. But immigrants, we get the job done. Look how far I come. Look how far I come. How far I come, we get the job done. Look how far I come. Look how far I come. Look how far I come. Immigrants, we get the job. Yeah. 
You are listening to Race Matters. I'm Darren Lasagas. I'm Sada Khan, and we have Alison Chen here with us. Alison, what do you love about that track? I think the line, immigrants, we get the job done, is so iconic. Um, recently, I had um, fa- dinner with my mom, my dad, and my aunt. And what happened was that we're at my aunt's place, and then like the fly screen window was broken. And so there were like flies uh, as we were eating dinner. And then my mom managed to like kill a fly. And then she's like, immigrants. Um, can we have your mum on the show? Can we meet her? I love her. <laughs> so it, it's really like, it just covers everything from like banal, daily, like irritants, like flies, to, you know, like frankly, the jobs um, that a lot of privileged people may not want to do, but are actually like really essential mm. to the functioning of society. Um, and so... Uh, for context, like that line, when it comes up in the musical of Hamilton, it's actually Hamilton, who's from Puerto Rico, and then he's singing with Lafayette, who's from France, and they both look at each other and say, immigrants, we get the job done. And I think one of the really nice moments is that it's like an acknowledgement that, you know, this country, in that context, you know, America is built on the backs of immigrants. Um, And the video clip um, of the mixtape version um, was actually came out around the time of 2016 when there was like just a lot of hate rhetoric um, brought on by the Trump administration uh, towards people who were migrants. Um, And so, you know, it was out of that context that this music video came out. definitely watch it if you haven't already um and I think you know like uh there's a line where they say we're like the ghost writers of America and I think it goes to show how a lot of the labor of um the migrant workforce is invisible Mm. um but it's actually essential and they're often doing jobs that may not necessarily command respect in terms of social status or even material status, um, but are actually, um, you know, essentials to society. And if we want to try and like put a COVID spin on it, I think, you know, the pandemic has really made us very reflective on like what it is we define as essential and, and who it is, is who it is that is doing essential work uh, that ensures like the functioning of a society in the context of a pan- pandemic. Um, and and another thing I will add is um, the Hamilton mixtape. Uh, so you have like the cast album, which was like the original Broadway cast singing the full, um, the musical like from start to finish. And then you had the mixtape come out, which was kind of like an abridged version of the musical and so you had artists like like Ja Rule and Ashanti did a song together you had Jimmy Fallon you had Chance the Rapper and they kind of did this adaptation of the musical so it's kind of um like an interpreted interpretation of that interpretation of a historical phenomenon um and I think again that kind of like spread out the the appeal and the reach um of of that story of telling that story about Alexander Hamilton and the founding of America. 
Um, musicals are predominantly, you know, white. Um, and as you started to touch on earlier, I guess part of the reason um, why Hamilton has become such a sensation globally is that so many people who'd felt alienated or maybe underrepresented by musical theatre or the stories in musical theatre have finally seen parts of themselves um, or their stories um, represented in the form. Apart from Hamilton, um, what pieces of media, podcasts, TV, film, books that you've been um, into recently have you been felt uh, feeling most represented in that way? Feeling most represented? Um, Bling Empire. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Sarah's face, I guess. No, because no. I was no, because my my roommates um have been, been watching it yeah, like yeah. the last few weeks, so that's yeah. why I was like, <gasps> like controversial, but I I definitely controversial, uh in terms of I think I know a lot of people have sort of like poo pooed Bling Empire, um but I like seeing Asians in entertainment and in mm. media, like you know. <gasps> that's you. <laughs> That is you. Oh, we love. We love. No, I totally get it. Like we love seeing ourselves. You know, even if it's like you know, in a reality TV sense, I guess. But like, you know, if we're self-determining the narrative and we get to see ourselves as like the center and complex and layered and like, because it's like. Sometimes when we are put on screen and it's not been self-determined, they'll put us up in either, like, a real othered role or it's, like, real brandished and polished. And it's just, like, that's, you know, like, we, we're problematic as well. Like, make us interesting. Mm. And yeah. it's because we're not self-determining the narrative. So when you get to see, like, all of that and it's determined, it's, like, you, yeah, it's exciting. Because the things only you would understand too. And I think I really agree with what you're saying, Sarah. And with Bling Empire, like, there are characters who are really annoying and I think that's a good thing. Like, yeah. mm. part of representation means you see annoying Asians, you see hot Asians, you see smart Asians, you see dumb Asians, mm. you see materialistic Asians who are, like, really irritating. I think, to me, like, um, the fact that people are like, oh, that's not, like, a type of Asian I identify with, but, like, to me, that's actually a reason why you need this show. Yeah. Like, like, it's not my experience and it's not my lifestyle. Like, I don't have their wealth and... Uh, you know, I don't come from those sorts of families um, and I don't have that kind of social circle. But, you know, they're still in Asian bodies, you know, going about their lives and they have entertaining stories to tell, not saying that you need to, like, agree with them. Um, But, yeah, I think that's been really interesting for me, just, yeah, thinking about how when it comes to thinking about representation of perhaps like minority uh, voices that um, part of it means, yeah, there are going to be people who you don't like Mm. as part of it in the same way that, um, you know, I don't make judgments on America based on Real Housewives. Um, Mm. It's just like, one of many things that exactly, I consume. Exactly, because we're not like monolithic. I would, this company, we want to keep saying this. <laughs> but not like, you know, we're not like just ourselves in association with white people. Like, I'd rather not. Um, <laughs> but we are at the end of the show. Um, and obviously we can't let you go without asking the question that we ask each of our Race Matters guests. And that is, Alison Chan, when did you realise there was power in your race? Um, so... I have like a tacky 
answer to this question and then a more sincere one. So my tacky answer is I realised there was power in my race when I received cash money on Lunar New Year. Mm, <laughs> money is power. Uh, <laughs> but I think my more g- genuine and my more sincere answer is um, it's actually like when I've seen my parents, um, you know, being doing like, you know, in their fields of work and p- being people of integrity um, and people who've had to, you know, be really independent and do things where there wasn't a precedence for like, for example, going to uni or going into particular jobs. And I think, yeah, seeing the way in which my parents have moved in the world, particularly, you know, migrating to Australia and how they've contributed to society and also like formed myself and my brother, um, yeah, that to me is a really powerful statement as to, you know, how race is such a big and part of your identity. Alison Chan, thank you so much for joining us on Race Matters. Got to quickly shout out a text on 0409-945-945, just in reference to your um, comments about Bling Empire. Uh, someone says, honestly, that is the reason why Real Housewives of Atlanta is the most successful and popular of the franchise. <laughs> Very true. Um, but yeah, Alison, thank you so much again for joining us. Um, that's all for Race Matters this week. I'm Darren Lasagas. And I'm Sada Khan. Big thank you to our guests today, Justin Tam and obviously Alison Chan for joining us. And again, happy Lunar New Year. You can find all episodes of Race Matters wherever you get your podcasts or at fbiradio.com forward slash Race Matters. We'll catch you next week. Race Matters. 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 Race Matters.